So tonight is uh, the last series in our three-part series, uh, The Three Anchors. And so uh, for those of you who were here uh, week one and week two, we talked about, you know, we talked about real devotional life, that one of our anchors in our faith when times are difficult, that we have real devotion to Jesus um, and we make him the priority, that's going to keep us through the difficult times in life. And then last week we talked about real community, what it, what it means to actually have people in our life that have a license to speak into our life, that we have real relationship. You guys remember I talked about if, if you really trust someone and you're a real close relationship, maybe you let them borrow your car. Some people came up to me afterwards and were like, she won't let me borrow the car. And I was like, can't do anything about it. But, but that's what we talked about last week. Um, anchor number two was, was real community. And then this week, anchor number three is real responsibility. Now, responsibility is usually not a fun word, but I'm going to try. We'll see what happens. Um, now, last week, I told you guys that Jesus was not a disembodied head. I was told I left you hanging too long, and then my small group tried to come up with other clever things for me to say this week, and I didn't have anything as clever, uh, but this is what I got this week. God has not called you to be the appendix, okay? We'll come back to that. So, um, can I tell you guys a story? Is that okay if I talk about me? Okay. Listen, if you haven't figured it out, I tell stories, okay? Jesus was a good teacher. He sold stories. It worked for him. I'm going to try it out, okay? So, um, listen, I know that most of you guys are not parents, um, but, like, I am, and so it makes sense to me to use parent analogies, right? So, I think I'm a decent parent, but, like, I, I messed up a lot, okay? So, like, listen, there was a point in my life where I had poison control on speed dial because my oldest, like, put everything in her mouth and were like, hey, is this going to kill her? And they're like, no, you're okay. I was like, yeah, go to the ER. And so we did that a lot, right? We made a lot of mistakes. I promise we tried to look after our kids, but, like, kids are fast, and, like, they're there one minute, and then they just, like, disappear. It's like, whoa, I promise I was paying attention, but now, does anybody see my kid? And, like, every parent I know at some point has, like, misplaced a kid. Like, they weren't really lost. They just didn't know where they're at. And so, like, that happened one time, right? Um, so, but listen, it's hard because you feel responsible and you're like, oh, I really hope they're okay. Um, and listen, my kids are really independent and they don't meet strangers. And like, they will go talk to anybody. And so early on, we had to be like, hey, listen, you just can't be friends with everybody, okay? You just gotta, I'm glad you're outgoing, Riley, but you gotta calm down. And so uh, last year, um, you know, my kids were safe the whole time and there was nothing wrong, but like my heart like sunk. So Riley and Hadley, they come to me, they're like, hey, can we go to the beach? And it's late at night, and I'm cleaning up the kitchen at Beach Breakaway. And I'm like, in a little bit, you can go to the beach. And so in their little minds, they thought, if we wait a few minutes, then we can go to the beach. In my mind, I was like, after I finish what I'm doing, I'll, yeah. And so, um, listen, they were being safe. They went with other people. They were never in any danger. Like, they were with people the whole time, but I didn't know where they're at. And I'm like, my kids are down on the beach, and only one of them can swim. <sighs> And it's dark, right? And so my wife's out on the beach, and she calls me for something. And she's like, hey, are the girls with you? And I was like, no, I thought they were with you. And she's like really nervous. She's like, hey, there's this sheriff's deputy out here on a four-wheeler, and they're, they're looking for a nine-year-old that went into the water, and they can't find them. And I was like, oh, we have a nine-year-old. Um, and so she's like, no, you have to find them now. And listen, they were safe, but like I didn't know that. And like she was panicking, and I was panicking. And like, at that moment, I was like, oh. So what do you think I did? I was like, hey, hey, you guys want to come help me find my kids? And so like, I just, listen, I would ask a random stranger, hey, there's one this big and one this big. 
full of sass. If you see them, they're mine, right? They have a nose that looks just like this. And I started asking people, hey, and so we're like walking around the beach with flashlights, right? And listen, they turn up. They didn't know they were missing. They didn't know anything was wrong. They were perfectly fine the whole time. But like my heart was overwhelmed and I recruited people to help me find what I thought were my missing kids, right? Now listen, some of you guys, you don't know me very well. Some of you like maybe you met me today at the outreach table or like you're just a friend of a friend. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, we're starting this rumor that I'm a nice guy. So if you guys could just pass that on, that'd be great. Um, but maybe you don't know me very well. But, but chances are, you're probably a decent human being, right? And if you were there, and I was like, hey, my girls are gone at the beach somewhere. Will you go help me find them? Most of you guys would be like, nah, tough luck, man. You're not going to do that. You're probably, pro some of you, I don't, some of you laughing at me. I'm really nervous right now. <laughs> Someone's like, no, nah, dog, I'm out. Um, most of you guys would probably go help because that seems like the decent thing to do. Like there's something inside of you that says, oh, there's little kids that are lost. Like the right thing to do, you feel some sort of internal responsibility. Like I should help this guy find his kids um, because that seems like what I ought to do. And, and reality is that all of us have certain things that we feel some sense of responsibility to act in certain situations. We feel some sense of responsibility, even if we can't always tell where that sense of responsibility come from. Now, listen, the reality is, is most of those people, they had either never met my kids or maybe they had met them one time. And listen, if they really knew my kids, like maybe they'd be annoyed by them. I don't know. And they're like, I don't want to help you find your kids. They're brats. I don't know. Right? But the reason people were helping me find my kids who weren't really lost anyways was not because like my kids are like the best, smartest, well-behaved kids ever. It's because they saw the distress that it put on me. And because they somewhat didn't hate me, right? They were willing to help me out because my kids were lost. It wasn't necessarily about what we were going to find, but about who had lost something. And so tonight, uh, I'm going to make some real simple points here. Number one is up there. Listen, when we have real devotion and real community, it produces responsibility. Responsibility is not a bad word, okay? Responsibility is not drudgery or duty. That's the next slide, right? Responsibility is not a chore, but responsibility is the natural response to a real relationship. Responsibility is the natural response to a real relationship. Here's the thing. You can't care about another human being and be apathetic in their, midst, in their inner moment of crisis or struggle. You can't. Responsibility is a response to, to a real relationship with another person or, in this case, to God. And I think sometimes we think about a lot of Christian things. We think about things like reading our Bible. We think about things like going to church or like service teams or raising money for missions or whatever it is that we're being asked to do. And we think, oh, this is the thing that I have to do. And if I don't do it, then God's going to be mad at me. And they're going to tell me I'm not a good Christian. And like, we think about it from this duty or obligation sense. But the reality is this, is that responsibility in its best case comes from a deep relationship. That where we have deep relationship, we have real connection with people, we have strong convictions, that responsibility is just a natural outflow. So I would say this, 
if responsibility isn't a natural outflow of your devotion to Jesus and your love for his community, then like don't do it. And let's deal with the heart issue first. Now, tonight we're going to talk about missions. Um, we're going to talk about responsibility and what our responsibility is to God and to one another. And a lot of times when we talk about things like this, we talk about sharing the gospel, we talk about supporting missionaries, oftentimes people will appeal to your sense of sympathy for those who are lost, for those who are in trouble, for those uh, who are struggling, those who've never heard the gospel. And, and I don't think it's wrong that you would have sympathy or even empathy for those who are lost without Jesus or, or have never heard the gospel. But I'm, tonight, I'm, I'm not going to try to get you to be sympathetic to the lost. Because the reality is, you're getting ahead of me, Haruna. You're getting ahead of me, man. Um, the reality is that, I'm, I'm blank. So the reality is this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it now it's up there. Um, it's not that people have a right to hear about Jesus, but that Jesus has won the right to be heard. The reason we serve the Lord, the reason we have real responsibility is it because of a particular feeling or emotion that we feel towards the lost, but about the one who has lost them? Because the reality is there are people who are lost that you are not going to like. Just being real honest, right? We like to pick up, put pictures of people from like exotic locations to be like, look how sad this is, right? They need to hear Jesus. And the reality is, is there are people who don't look like that, who are just as lost, who need to hear Jesus. And and we don't move in responsibility because of how we feel about the lost one, but about the one who has lost them. And so uh, I've given you my points already, and so I'm going to try to unpack this here uh, in our sermon tonight. Now, I believe that the gospel should be shared across campus, and I believe the gospel should be shared across the world. And I believe that most of us, if we've been in church before, or if we have some concept of who Jesus is, we understand this idea that, that if we don't come to believe in Jesus as our Lord, if we don't confess him as Lord and accept his payment for our, our sin, well, then there's no hope for us. Most of us know that personally. And so it stands to reason that if other people don't know that and have that experience, then there's no hope for them as well. And so it's real easy to figure out, oh yeah, no, people need hope and we should be the hope that they need. But I think sometimes um, we're all a little bit ADHD, whether we like to admit it or not. And we're just like, yeah, Jesus totally do, told us to do that thing. Oh, and I forgot, right? And, and to be honest, we just need to be reminded. It's okay that we need to be reminded of things sometime. So I think one of the great things, um, I mean, I love the Bible for a lot of reasons, but, but some of the greatest stories in the Bible were about like when people mess up and I'm like, oh, there's grace for them. There's grace for me too. Cause like I mess up sometimes like at least once a week, probably or more. These are the jokes guys. These are the jokes. They don't get better than this. <laughs> Anyways. So I, I wanna, we're going to look at a story um, tonight of Peter, Peter's uh, interaction with Jesus. Now, I don't know what you guys know about the Apostle Peter. Maybe you guys have, like, read the Bible a lot, and you, like, know all about Peter, and maybe you could teach me a lesson. Or maybe tonight, like, you're like, who is Peter again? I heard that name one time. Um, so listen, Peter is one of Jesus' 12 uh, apostles. In fact, he was the one that he, Jesus called the rock. He said that he was going to be the foundation or the, the rock for the new church. And so 
Uh, Peter was kind of like the lead apostle, right? But like Peter was also a bonehead. Like Peter is the guy that Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan, and just rebuked him because the things he were saying were, was not from God. Peter's also the guy that denied Jesus three times to the servant girl before Jesus was crucified. Like Peter did a lot of really dumb stuff. Uh, Peter's also the guy that stood up and preached to thousands on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and 3,000 are baptized that day. So like he did great things too. Peter, Peter had his ups and downs. And so we're going to look at this kind of in-between moment. It's, it's, the context is it's after um, Peter has denied Jesus, after the resurrection, uh, before, before his sermon at Pentecost. And so we see this is the, the third time that Jesus is uh, appearing to his disciples. So in, in John chapter 21 is where we're going to start. I'm going to read John chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll unpack that and go on from there. So in John chapter 21, starting in verse number 1, this is what it says. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Okay? Let me break this down for you. Okay? So at this point, Jesus has given the Great Commission. He's told them to make disciples. They've seen his resurrected body twice already. They understand the purpose why Jesus came and died. Okay? They saw his dead body. They saw his resurrected body. They understood what they're supposed to do. And Peter says, hey guys, you want to go fishing? I'm serious. And, and, and there's this crazy image we see here because this story is, is eerily similar to when Jesus called Peter in the first place because Peter was on a boat fishing. And so here we find Peter, after everything he's been through with Jesus, he decides to go fishing and he's on this boat and he's fishing with the other disciples and Jesus comes. Now what happens is that, that Peter recognizes Jesus and he puts on his clothes and he jumps in the water and he swims to shore and Jesus has cooked breakfast, and they bring in all the fish that they caught because Jesus told them, you know, catch your nets on the other side. And so they catch all these fish, and they come in, and they're eating breakfast on the beach with Jesus. But, like, can you imagine being Peter in that moment? Like, okay, so, like, this happens to me sometimes. Like, I don't know why, but every once in a while, people are a little bit intimidated by me. Like, I'm going to, like, eat them or something, right? Like, I don't eat people. That's not a thing I do. I'm really a nice person. Just keep, t- keep saying it. Right, but like sometimes, if people knew they were supposed to do something, but like then they didn't do it, and then like they see me and I try to have a conversation, and they're like, "Oh hey," just like I'm, I'm just, I, did, I see you, but I'm just gonna keep walking, right? You guys have done that to someone at some point, and so if you can imagine, right? Peter knows what he's supposed to be doing, but instead Peter's fishing, and then Jesus shows up while he's fishing, and Jesus reveals himself, and so Peter comes to shore, and they they, they eat the meal together and have this, this I cannot only imagine what the conversation was like with all the disciples there but I can wonder like if it was a little bit nerve-wracking for Peter's like I wonder 
if Jesus is going to bring up the fact that we're, you know, not doing the disciple thing that he told us to do instead of fishing, like, ah, he's going to bring it up. I just know it's coming. And like, I don't know. I think I relate to that because I think there's always been times that like, oh, there were things that I know that the Lord wanted me to do and that I was supposed to do. And I just get distracted and I'm like, oh man, I haven't been doing the thing. So I'm going to ask you guys this question tonight. Maybe you don't know the answer. But what responsibility do you feel that Jesus has given you? That, that maybe, maybe you're just like, oh, I forgot to do the thing. I remember I read in the Bible that it said I should be doing the thing. Like I should probably be sharing Jesus with people who don't know him. But I had math class today, so that was hard. I don't know. But what is the thing that, that Jesus has given you responsibility or that you feel responsible for that maybe you haven't done exactly the way you were supposed to? And so I think about, you know, Peter sitting there having this conversation. And so then after, after breakfast, I'm going to skip forward. I'm going to read the whole John 21 for you. I'm going to skip to verse 14 here. In verse 14 through 17, we see this one-on-one -on -one interaction between Jesus and Peter. And we see Jesus talking to Peter, and, and Peter's going to get really frustrated. So this is uh, this is what it says. So in, in John chapter 21, verse 14, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to, to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Jesus' appeal to to Peter was not one of duty or obligation or condemnation. It wasn't this message that if you don't feed my sheep, you can't be my disciple anymore. If you don't do the thing I want you to do, we're going to kick you out. That was not Jesus' tone. Jesus' tone was not one of coercion or manipulation or any type of weight or heaviness, but Jesus appealed to his relationship with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, do you, do you care about me at all? If you care about me at all, then tend my flock. Peter, if you, if you really love me, if that's deep in your heart, then, then would you feed my lambs? I wish sometimes that God would allow us just for a moment to feel what he feels knowing that there are so many of his children that are lost without him. To have like a conceptual understanding that we would have love and compassion for Jesus to know that he has won the right to be heard. He has paid the price for those who are lost and that we profess to love him and we stand idly by, feeling no sense of responsibility to the one who saved our soul.
Jesus is calling us to real responsibility. Because if we're devoted to him, if we're in community with other believers, if we have that love that should exist in our relationship with Jesus and in the body of Christ, the natural outflow of those relationships should be responsibility. It should be of great concern for those who are around us, not because they're not going to be our friends anymore, not because, like, Justin's going to be mean to me if I don't sign up for the thing that he wants me to sign up for, but, but a place of true compassion and heartfelt, genuine, sincere responsibility. You see, here's the thing. I, I really hate to say this, but, but this is true. That people don't stay in community where they don't have responsibility. Like, I, I really hope that we're all friends and that you guys want to be my friend, even though that's weird to you, right? Okay, I'm a friendly person. Uh, I like coffee and barbecue. And, um, yeah, and we can be friends if you want. But, but the reality is this. When it comes to community, if you don't have real responsibility in community, you're not going to stay because you have no sense of purpose. I watch it. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in Chi Alpha. I see it everywhere. That, that if we're just like, my wife says, like a bump on a pickle or a knot on a log, right? If you're just here to be here, uh, listen, I hate it, but like you're not good, good enough to just be decoration on the body of Christ. Like that's, it's not, I mean, some, anyways, okay. The reality is this, that Jesus has not called any of us to be the appendix, He's called all of us to have a purpose, a real sense of belonging and meaning. Like Jesus hasn't destined any of us to ride the bench our entire life and to do nothing to build his kingdom. Because if we're really devoted to him and we're really in community, then we're going to have responsibility. Sometimes I ask people, you know, like if you never showed up again, like would people notice And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but I, I mean, like, are you using the gifts and the abilities that the Lord gave you? Or are you just, like, along for the ride? Because eventually, if you're just along for the ride, you're going to fade away. Because it's a sign that there probably isn't that real deep connection. There isn't that real deep devotion to Jesus. There isn't that real commitment to his, his body if there's no sense of responsibility. And ultimately, those who never experience any sense of purpose or responsibility in the body of Christ, they tend to move and what I see often is they just drift from one church to another church, from one ministry to another ministry, and they never feel that sense of purpose and belonging that I think Jesus is calling us to. Tonight, my goal is not to convince you to do something for Chi Alpha. Like, we have lots of opportunities, and I'm fixing to tell you uh, about a lot of opportunities of how you can serve and, and how you can, can find, feed, and fight for the lost lambs of God. Um... I'm, I'm going gonna to like give you lots of really practical stuff because I think it's helpful if we have practical, easy steps. But like my goal tonight is not to get you to check a box or do something because Justin said that you should do it. I think the first thing we have to do is we have to reflect and go, am I really devoted to Jesus? Like, is he the most important thing in my life? Am I really committed to the idea of being in Christian community where I would have things in common with other people and I would give people license to speak into my life, okay? 
Because, because if we don't get that squared away and we just go through the motions, listen, there are a lot of people who sing in church and serve in church and use their gifts and abilities that like actually don't know Jesus. And we just fake it and go through the motions. And I don't want you to do that. I don't want like this sense of like positive peer pressure to convince you to do something that your heart's not in. And if your heart's not in it, I want you to use this tonight as a moment of reflection. To say, Lord, why don't I feel that sense of responsibility to build your kingdom? Why, why, why isn't it concerning to me that so many of your creation are lost and broken and hopeless? Why doesn't that bother me? And I think we should start there. But tonight I am going to give you some practical opportunities. So, tonight I want to introduce you to, to Kaiapha's missions motto. And uh, we're not going to be able to get into all of it, but uh, Haruna, you can go ahead and put up that slide. So in Kaiapha, we have this thing we say, that every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, and every student welcomes. And what we mean by every student is we mean every student. Like, if you really want to be a part of us, if you really want to be a part of this community, this is something that we really believe in. That, that, that responsibility to the King of Kings, responsibility to the body of Christ is not like a multiple choice where I pick the ones that I like and I don't do the things that aren't fun for me, right? Because that's not how responsibility works. Now, tonight, we're, we're not going to, like, unpack all of these because some of these, to be honest, they're really deep commitments. And what we found is that every year, three weeks into the semester, people are like, yes, I'm going to commit to do that. If I stick around. Sorry, it's real. Um, so I want to unpack for you real quickly what we mean by when we say every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, every student welcomes. So listen, we, we believe that every student before you graduate should go on a cross-cultural missions trip. You need to go and experience what it looks like to share the gospel in a context that is not comfortable for you. Because so much of what we understand the gospel to be is like based on our culture and our understanding of the world. And that's not great for us. And so we really want you to experience what it looks like to minister the gospel in another context, another culture. Maybe that means overseas. Maybe that means somewhere else stateside. Um, we'll, we'll have an opportunity for you guys to do that this year. But that's not going to be for everybody. So we'll talk more about that later. Right? Um, I'm going to talk about give and welcome, so I'm going to skip the pray. Listen, we believe that every student should give a year after college to serve in missions and pray about whether or not the Lord would call them to serve in a lifetime in missions. I sincerely believe that all of us should be willing to say, God, if you want me to serve you for the rest of my life in missions around the world or in vocational ministry, I'm willing to do that if you would call me. We think everybody should be willing to ask that question of God and pray and say, God, what do you have for me? And, and I know that seems really simple to say, yeah, I can ask God, but it really is a, a big thing. And I don't want you to enter it lightly, so I don't want anybody to commit, yeah, I'm going to do that after I graduate. But, um, but you know, you've got a while. So we're going we're gonna to talk more about those later. But tonight, we want to focus on giving and welcoming. So listen, it costs money to do ministry. It costs money to send missionaries around the world. It costs money to do outreach on campus. And the only way... That, that people are going to be able to, to take the word of God where it needs to go is if someone can help them get where they need to go. And so here's what we do. We take that very seriously. We realize that college students, you're all going to tell me, I'm a college student. I don't have a lot of money. Listen, there's no obligation to give any amount of money 
We're not, we're not looking to like fund like the entire world's missionary force off of a bunch of college students at Troy University. I get that. But here's what you can do. You can participate. You can have a little bit of responsibility, right? Listen, maybe, maybe you're only like 0.00001% responsible for reaching the unreached people of the world, but you're 100% responsible for that 0.0001%. And so we want everyone to feel real responsibility, real commitment that, that raising funds and sending missionaries is important. Now, uh, I goofed. I don't have pictures for you. Right now, just so you know, Troy Chi Alpha, we support uh, th- two missionary units, two families, and, and one missionary fund. We support um, Mary and Devon Brown. My mind blanked. Mary and Devon Brown uh, are Chi Alpha missionaries. They're pioneering Chi Alpha on HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities in the Atlanta metro area. And they're one of the first in Chi Alpha to pioneer on HBCUs. There, there are very few missions agencies or churches that are doing ministry on HBCUs. And so we're supporting them as they're, they're reaching students there in, the, in Atlanta at Clark and A&T, um, Spelman, um, and I forget the name, uh, um, the other name, Morehouse. Yes, thank you. And so we, we support um, Mary and Devon Brown monthly. Uh, we support um, Matt and Ashley Richardson. They're missionaries to the jungles of Ecuador. These guys go and find, uh, like, uncontacted tribes out in the Amazon jungle in Ecuador, and they go and they share the gospel and they plant churches, um, places that they have to walk for days and days and days to get there. Um, Matt was with us, I think, a year and a half ago. Uh, he's, he's a very wooly character. Um, he looks like he lives in the jungles. Um, but they're doing an awesome ministry, and so we support them monthly uh, through your giving. And then we support this thing called the Minority Mobilization Fund. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Chi Alpha uh, and our, our parent organization, the Assemblies of God, is a predominantly white organization. And to be honest, minorities have a difficult time raising a missionary budget to go and do the things that God has called them to do. So in Chi Alpha, we have this thing called the Minority Mobilization Fund, and it's basically a missions fund that, that our Chi Alpha groups give into so that um, when we have minority missionaries that feel called to ministry, that we can help them with uh, a, a big chunk, 20% uh, grant for their first year in missions. And so um, Chi Alpha here has been supporting that fund for about seven years, and this year we have the first recipient of that grant, Elijah Moultrie, is actually a recipient of the Minority Mobilization Fund grant. And so... Yeah. He's the, he's the first of many to come. And so when you support, so when we ask you to give, I, I, I'm telling you this not so you can be like, oh, Kai Alpha's doing a lot of great stuff around the world. I want you to know that, that when you give and we ask you to give, like this is not going to Justin's salary, right? I don't get like a Christmas bonus if I get more offering from you. Like that's not how that works, okay? That, that when you give, you're helping us support these missionaries, You're helping us do outreach on campus. You're helping us welcome international students. You're helping us do all of these things that further the gospel around the world. And so so when we give, this is is what we mean by give. And then by welcome. Now listen, this is a no-brainer. Right? But a lot of times, the reason people don't stick in church, the reason people don't stay in a small group, is they just don't feel like they fit. They don't know if there's a place for people like me there. Right? We, all, we all do that. Like, you came here tonight, and you're like, ah, oh, do I fit with these people? Do they want me here? That's something we all ask. Listen, the easiest thing you can do is to make sure other people know that there's room for them in the kingdom of God. That Jesus has a place at the table for them. 
Listen, some of you guys, you're doing great. You're already welcoming people. But, but maybe you can take an extra effort. Listen, we think, this is crazy, I think that all of you should have one international friend and that you should hang out with them because how much does it mean to them being in a strange place if they could have one person that could maybe be a cultural guide or an English conversation partner for them? And so we want every, every American student to have uh, an international friend. Listen, I think all of you could like invite one person to your small group. Never, never underestimate the power of just being inviting and being welcoming because it could make a difference in someone's life. And so, so this is what we mean when we say every student goes, every student gives, every student prays, every student welcomes. Now, uh, TJ, if you'll come back up. We're fixing to wrap this thing up. We're going to land the plane. So um, I have some volunteers. My ushers are going to come and, and pass out some cards. Uh, Elijah and Christine, if you guys will come do that for me while I finish up. So Elijah and Christine are fixing to hand you a card. You're all going to get a card. You don't have to write on the card. You don't have to fill it out. Listen, some of you are here for the first time, and you're like, I don't even know if I like this guy yet. I'm not committing to anything. That's okay. Listen, we did not invite you here to get your money or to get you to do things. Go ahead. Just, just go give it to them. All of them. So here's what you have on the card that's coming to you. Right? You have opportunities for how you can accept the responsibility for the kingdom of God and for this community. And so some of the things that you can do is that you can give monthly support to help us support missionaries and to do ministry here on campus. Maybe you're like, hey, I could, I could spare five bucks a month. I could spare 10 bucks a month. I don't know. I'm not telling you what to put on there. All right, so that's one way you can do it. Listen, some of you are like, I have zero income or I don't have a lot of income. I know Christine mentioned earlier that we clean the stadium. So we have this really sweet deal. If we get 30 people to clean the stadium, the university will give us $1,000. That's half of our annual missions budget in one night. It takes us about an hour and a half to clean the entire stadium. And so if you guys are willing to commit to say, hey, I'll stay an hour and a half after the first home, home game, I'll help you uh, clean the stadium. You can help us raise $1,000 to support the missionaries that we support and the ministries that we support. Listen, some of you are like, hey, I'm not very outgoing, but I think the Lord wants me to help welcome someone. I'm going to invite someone to come to my small group. Maybe that's like base level for you. All right? The other thing we have on there, the first thing, is we have service teams. Christine mentioned earlier. Listen, the things that happen, the ministry that we do here on campus, like it doesn't happen without students volunteering to serve. Right? The reason that you're here is because somebody invited you, somebody prepared a welcome week cookout or stuff your mug party. Somebody worked hard to do something to make sure that you knew that there was a place that, that you could come and learn and grow. And so we want to encourage you guys to do the same that you would serve. And so, so here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to, we're going to give, in just a minute, I'm going to give you a moment. And I want us to pray and say, God, what would you have me to do? Jesus, what do you want me to be responsible for? Like, I get it. You can't be responsible for everything. I'm not asking you to be responsible for everything. If you want to check every box, like, you go for it. Okay? As the Lord empowers you, we'll help you do it. But before you fill out your forms, before we do that, I want us to pray. Okay? Because I don't want you to say, Justin talked me into it. My small group leader made me. Unless you're in my small group, I guess. I'm watching you guys. All right, Ian. Troublemakers back there. 
But I want, I want to read another text for you. Okay, Matthew chapter 21. Just keep this thought in your mind before you fill out your form. Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 31. That's what Jesus says. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and he said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. This is the point. I don't want you to do anything out of coercion or obligation or because you feel pressure or because your friend wrote down something or because somebody told you to it. Because real responsibility doesn't come from a sense of duty or obligation, but it flows out of real devotion to Jesus. And if you're not doing it because you love Jesus and you care about the lost kids that he has all over the earth, if you're not doing it because you care about this community and you want to make it healthier and stronger, then don't do it. And if you change your mind tomorrow, fine, come tell us. We'll sign you up. We'll put you in somewhere. You can always volunteer later. But I don't want you to, to do something out of obligation just because you felt like I was trying to convince you to do it. Okay. Nobody can say Justin coerced them. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray over you. And we're just going to sit in silence as TJ picks for about the next two minutes. And I want you to sincerely say, Jesus, what responsibility do you want me to have in your kingdom? What, what purpose can I fulfill? And listen, we realize like you can serve Jesus in more areas than what we put on the card. But we just want to give you guys something really practical. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you sent someone to invite us into your kingdom. Lord, we're thankful for the friends, for the family members, for moms and dads and grandmas and pastors and teachers and all the people that you put in our life. People that were patient with us when we were immature in our faith. People who shared the gospel with us. People who taught us how to read the Bible. People who taught us how to become the people we are. We're so thankful for what you've done and what you've given us. Lord, would you tonight, would you just speak to us about how we can serve you in serving others? Lord, would you show us what responsibility you want to call us into? Not because we think we get some kind of brownie points in heaven or it makes us a better Christian than other people, but just because we love you, Jesus. Would you show us where you want us to serve? How you want us to build your kingdom? Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. You can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Chi Alpha. Thanks for listening.